Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 45 of Revelation chapter 14. And we're going to be reading from Revelation 14, verses 15 through 19. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle, on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle, into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And I'll stop reading there. Now, we have been discussing God's program of judgment, or his uh, times and seasons plan to have his people as reapers in the day of judgment. And that's why he uses the Greek word, Pempo, uh, translated as thrust in verse 15, and and really it should read, send in thy sickle, and it's a word that relates to the Lord sending messengers, his people, who are messengers of the word of God, and as the Lord sends his word and his people carry that word to the world, they are a reaping instrument. And the time is come, the hour has come for thee to reap, or the hour has has came. It's past tense. The hour of the great tribulation is past. For the harvest of the earth is ripe, it says in verse 15. Now, we um, should recognize that this verse says it is the harvest of the earth. And when we hear that, we tend to shy away a little bit from the idea of the typical harvest that God has produced in the world through the seasons of rain, the first fruits, and, and then the latter rain bringing in the final harvest of believers. But, uh, let's, let's go to James chapter five. James five. And see how God speaks of his harvest in James 5, verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and has long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. This verse has tremendous amounts of information in it concerning God's 
plan of reaping uh, a harvest of souls. He is the husbandman who waits. He he was patiently waiting, long-sufferingly patient, putting up with the sins of the world until he received the early and latter rain because those rains produce the fruit, the precious fruit of the earth, which can only be a reference to the elect, to those that God saves. But notice it's said to be the precious fruit of the earth. And that's the same um, word, earth, in the same statement we have in Revelation 14:15, for the harvest of the earth is right. And, and so we have to consider, is it possible that God is speaking of the elect? Are they the ones that are right? And the answer is no. No, it is not possible because of the word that is translated as right. The Greek word, it's Strong's number 3583. And I would encourage everyone to look up that word. And by the way, that's why I give these Strong's numbers uh, so so uh, you can easily look it up. And um, if you don't have an actual concordance, uh, you can go online and and just type in Strong's Concordance, and I'm sure you'll find an online site where you can look up these numbers and you can see the way that God translates this particular word. For instance, this word, 3583, is found in Matthew chapter 13. In Matthew 13, in the parable of the sower, it says in uh, verse 5, some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Now we can uh, glean quite a bit of information from these verses. The seed is the word of God. And and the seed falls upon the hearts of men. And uh, God always tries the people who hear the gospel to see if they uh, are true believers or not, if they were saved or not, if the seed fell upon good ground or not. And in this case, it, it fell upon stony places, so it could not, the roots could not go deep. And when the sun was up, or when God began to bring the fiery trial, they were scorched. And because they had no root, and when we see that word, and we, uh, if we were to search that word out, it leads to Christ. He's the root of Jesse. The Bible says they did not have Christ. They, they had a church maybe. They had um, a response to the gospel call. They they had a Bible. They had a profession of faith, but they had no root. They did not have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ within them. And that is ultimately always the difference. 
between saved and unsaved. And, and because they had no root, they withered away. And withered away is 3583 Xreno. That Greek word translate is ripe. It, it doesn't mean good fruit there, but rather spiritually uh, fruit that was no good. They withered away. Now in Matthew 21, the same Greek word is used a couple of times in verses 19 and 20, when the Lord curses the fig tree. And it says in Matthew 21, 19, when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And and then in verse 20, when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? And we can see that the curse was let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. And in response to the curse of the Almighty God, the Lord Jesus Christ, it immediately withered away. And and therefore God is defining this word as a word that means there is no fruit, not a little fruit or or somewhat fruit, but no fruit, absolutely none. In uh, Luke chapter 8, it says in verse 6, and again, this is the parable of the sower in another gospel account, and some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And and that's helpful because it, it gives a little further explanation There was no moisture. The sun comes up. The sun scorches it. It's hot. It needs moisture. But due to where the seed fell, it did not fall on good ground. And it had no access to water. No moisture. And and, uh, that leads to it withering away. Now just one more place in John 15. And you could look up other places this word is uh, used and and it's always translated as withered away or dried up or something similar to that. It says in John 15, beginning in verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, He is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. And once again we see due to a failure to abide in Christ, there is no relationship with him. There there is no connection with him. It, It was the case where there was no root. It was the case where there was no moisture. That these things point to Christ and the Word of God, and He's the essence of the Word of God. And now there's no abiding in Him, and and therefore there is no fruitfulness. 
It, it's necessary to abide in him in order to bring forth fruit. And anyone not abiding in him will not bring forth fruit. So we can be sure, we can be absolutely sure that when it says the harvest of the earth is ripe, and it would probably be helpful to um, draw a line through that word ripe. The, the translators put it there because, well, it's the final harvest and and Christ is coming, and the Bible has other language of of God, uh, as in James 5, 7, waiting for the precious fruit of the earth, and perhaps they were trying to be helpful, but really it's a wrong translation. It should be translated as withered away or dried up. The harvest of the earth is withered away. There is no fruit. Now, how can that be? How is it possible? Where is the great multitude? This is this is happening at the time of judgment that follows immediately after the tribulation. God saved the great multitude out of great tribulation. So there's a tremendous amount of fruit. But where is it? Well, the the Lord is not looking at the overall picture, but in this passage from verses 14 through 20, where God is speaking of the harvest, it's the, the harvest that will be brought forth for destruction. It is, first of all, um, looking at the harvest of the church. That's why we read um, again in Revelation fourteen fifteen, For the harvest of the earth is ripe, and then in verse 16, And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle in the earth, and the earth was reaped. Okay, so that that explains it all. But then God says another angel came out of the temple, and another angel came out of the altar, and there was a cry made to the first angel that had the sharp sickle, thrust in thy sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth. It's it's like a repeat. It, it's saying the same thing, except there is a difference, which we'll look at later. But basically, it is uh, saying that there's a second reaping, a second harvest, in other words. But, but this harvest also is no good because the second time the, the command is given, send in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine and so forth. Well, the vine of the earth um, is gathered and cast into the great winepress of the wrath of God. That That isn't speaking of true believers either. That can't possibly be the elect. In either case, why does God break up Judgment Day into two events of thrusting in the sickle, reaping, and he does it one time and then he does it again. Well, um, first of all, as soon as May 21, 2011 came, there was a portion of the harvest of the earth, a, a ruined harvest, as we read in uh, Joel chapter 1, and 
I'll, I'll just quickly go back there and, and read this. As it says in Joel 1, in verse 10, The field is wasted, the land mourneth, for the corn is wasted, the new wine is dried up, the oil languisheth. Be ashamed, O ye husbandmen, how, O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. The vine is dried up, and the fig tree languisheth, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree. Even all the trees of the field are withered, because joy is withered away from the sons of men. And what does joy relate to? Uh, God tells us in, in the gospel accounts in that wonderful parabolic statement, well, when when one sinner repents, we're told, there's joy in heaven. And yet here in Joel 1, joy is withered away from the sons of men. Because Joel 1 is a chapter that is concentrating on God's judgment on the New Testament church. Spiritually, that's what it's describing. At the end of the world, when judgment begins at the house of God, and uh, once the Holy Spirit abandons the church and Satan and his uh, evil spirits enter in, then the harvest of the churches and congregations is ruined. Not one soul is saved from the beginning of the Great Tribulation, May 21, 1988, until the end of the Great Tribulation, May 21, 2011, 23 years, not a single individual in any church in the world is saved. But God does have a process underway wherein there were some souls that were saved or other souls that were um, elect and yet not not yet saved but it would be necessary for the Lord to draw them out of the church to the world in order for them to become saved. So the Lord um, uh, started the process of separating the wheat from the tares by opening up the scriptures and revealing the end of the church age and issuing forth the command that all must leave the church. And and this is the commandment of God. If you're going to be faithful to the Bible and to what the Lord says, you must leave your congregation, come out of the church, because the latter rain is falling outside of the churches. There is no latter rain within the congregations of the world. And, and therefore, it's necessary for you to come out and take your family out to to be in a place, a position, a location where there is the possibility that uh, you and your family could become blessed and and become saved, and 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 so within the church, the process um, took place. the The wheat was coming out. It, it's sort of the winnowing process, as you you throw it up in the air and with husk and and grain and and the husk is blown away and the heavier grain falls to the ground and, and likewise with this process of separating the wheat from the tares 
God waited until the the end. And as we read in Matthew 13, the process was underway, continuing uh, during the period of the Great Tribulation, especially um, the last several years. But it was a process. There was never a final separation. There couldn't be until the end of the Great Tribulation. Because by that time, and, and God made sure this warning was declared loud and clear, um, a very certain trumpet blast was made so that all would hear and understand. Get out of the church because if you're caught in the church and, and you refuse to hearken to God by the time the appointed day arrives, May 21, 2011, that's the time the door to heaven shuts and the latter rain will cease to fall even outside of the churches. And and so you must get out before then. And I'm sure that some of God's elect got out very close to the date, but they did get out. All got out. All the wheat was finally separated from the tares by the time that day arrived that was uh, proclaimed to all the nations of the world. And then God shut the door upon the earth, upon the world. He ended his salvation program. And thereby, with that action, he bundled all those that remain in the churches as tares. Because within the church, again, there was no latter rain, there was no salvation taking place. No one could have been saved apart from the Spirit of God, and God's Spirit was not present. It had departed out and left the church to Satan. And and therefore, anyone within the church could not have been saved within, and they could not have experienced the latter rain. It was outside the church. And that means all within were the unsaved. And immediately on May 21, 2011, the sickle was put in. God, the Lord Jesus Christ, through his word, cast all of those within the corporate church into the spiritual fire of Judgment Day. Just as Matthew 13 says in verse 38, The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the messengers. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his messengers, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. That took place immediately, the very moment the door of heaven shut. And uh, we've discussed this before, remember? How the Lord breaks up Judgment Day in Revelation chapter 9. And it says concerning the 200 million horsemen, which represent all of God's elect, or 
God's messengers once again, the, the reapers. In Revelation 9.18, by these three was the third part of men killed. The third part identifies with all those in the churches, just as Revelation 8 spoke of the judgment falling on the third part. But in Revelation chapter 8, it was the judgment of the Great Tribulation. Here in Revelation 9, when the third part of men are killed, it's speaking of the final judgment, the final separation of the wheat from the tares, and all the tares are now bundled, all are isolated from the true believers. They're known now. Jacob has received the blessing. These are Esau that have not received the blessing of God. And and they're killed by the fire, by the smoke, and by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths. And, and then it says in verse 20, And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues. Now, who are they? Who are the rest of the men? It, it's speaking of the rest of mankind, the unsaved people that were not in the churches. They were not uh, located in any congregation. They were Muslims or, or Hindus or um Buddhist or atheist or secularist they they were unsaved individuals just as unsaved as all those that stayed in the church but they were not killed as the tares were spiritually killed immediately on May 21 2011 because outside of the church the latter rain was falling and so for them as well as for true believers who could pray for these people. There exists some hope and possibility, looking at it from man's perspective. Let's say, for instance, there's an atheist, and he had nothing to do with any church, of course. He doesn't believe in God, but he was in the world. That's where the latter rain was falling. And this atheist... Uh, begins to hear that God ended his salvation plan on May 21, 2011. Now, if there were some, uh, desire within him, and let, and let's say there is, now some renewed interest to go to God and, and to see perhaps if it's possible if he could be saved, he could pray, uh, uh God, uh, I, I haven't believed in you, but I hear that, um, that I can, I can still come to you with this prayer. That perhaps you might have saved me without even my knowing it because the word fell all over the earth and I certainly heard about Judgment Day, May 21. And, and so is it possible that you could have saved me before you shut the door of heaven? Now, the likelihood is that God didn't save the atheist, but from the atheist perspective, he can still approach to God with little hope. It's not a great deal of hope by this point, but with little hope. Little hope is better than no hope. He can go and and say, having had mercy, have mercy. But someone 
who was in the church cannot pray that way. Uh, they they can't go to God and say, maybe you save me before you shut the door of heaven. Because where they were in the church, the door had already long been shut for 23 years. And there was no salvation taking place. Well, the the rest of the men are the second group that's in view in Revelation 14. The first is a withered harvest, and it's reaped. And then there's another group that comes into view. And, and so God has broken up unsaved mankind into these two categories. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.